our hands up and let's worship him again. Do that with me. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit moving in this place. We love you today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's all about you, Father. Today is all about you. This morning is all about you, Jesus. All about what you're doing. All about your glory and your presence. And we worship you today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt his presence all day long since I've, I've come to here. And this morning, walked in, you just feel the presence of the Lord. This early service, the Spirit of God was so powerful. I love the theme that you put together, Gary, of the holiness of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Would you just say that with me right now? Holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. I worship you. I magnify you today, Jesus. Great and mighty are you, dear God. Thank you, Lord. Take your place here today, Father. Speak to us, Lord. Let your word speak to us today. We need to hear your voice, Father. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We worship you. Praise God. You may be seated. Wow. I love you guys. <laughs> this is fantastic. Man, where'd you come from? Where you been? <laughs> I tell you, Gary, this has been fantastic, my brother. Thank you so much for being sensitive to the Lord. I, you know, I've, I've got to meet a number of you guys, and uh, there's, there's, I, I can't explain it, but every place has a, a spirit about them. There, you can just feel it. When you go, you know what I'm talking about. You go into a place, and you can sense you can sense a spirit, and you can define it. And, and I was just sitting there, and I just thought, this is sweet. There's a sweetness about you. There's a humility about the precious people in this church. I like you guys. And I'm really uh, honored to be here today. I really am honored to just stand here. And, and uh, I know how much you love this guy right here. I don't want to disappoint you. You know, there are certain people that you run into. I, I, I've, you can tell I'm an old guy, so I've been around a lot. And I've been in a lot of churches and met a lot of different people. But I always love meeting men of God just like this one right here. We, we've, we've clicked there's something very, very special about this precious man of God. It's not about him, and that's what I found. It's about Jesus and his life. I'm disappointed. I understand you're going to be in Israel in December. Uh, I'm leaving on Tuesday. I'm going home, and uh, I'm going to the Feast of Tabernacles. By, by the way, right now, it's seven hours ahead, and so there are a few thousand Christians just like you that are down at En Gedi right now, and there's a full moon Every, every year at this time, there will always be a full moon. Every month, every Israeli month begins with a full moon. I know exactly what it looks like. I've been there so many times down there, and I got to speak down there every once in a while. I, I had the chance to speak to those thousands of Christians that show up, and they're dancing, and they're praising, and they're worshiping, and they're, they're letting the Lord know how important He is. So it's happening in Israel just like it's happening there, and they've got dancers. I want to tell you something. If I were an angel in heaven, I would have been envious of what happened here today. Amen? That was beautiful. You know, God is into, the, into praise, dance, and worship. He really is. We got to, at the Feast of Tabernacles, I, I'm speaking on Thursday night there, and uh, they've got, they got dancers, and they have a whole host of dancers that come from around the world, but they won't do any better than what happened here this morning. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them, but I enjoyed this today. 
Praise the Lord. I've got so much to tell you, and I told Pastor I might be here for a couple of hours. He handed me the key, and he, he said, just lock up when you're finished. But I'll try to be kind to you. I just There's so much that I want to share about, about, uh, about the nation of Israel and what God is doing. I mean, He is moving today in the nation of Israel. He's moving all over the world. And there are things like there, that's happening here this morning in His presence. You know, when the presence of God is in a place, there's a reason for it. Some people think it's just to make them feel good. But the realities are that the presence of God is there, as Pastor had said, for many, many different reasons. There's a purpose for that. He's drawing us closer to Him to get closer to His heart. And so, I, you know, as much as you can, spend time in the presence of God. As much as you can. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about... Uh, the restoration of Israel. By the way, I want to just mention, uh, before I get started, I'm not a promotional guy very much at all, but uh, there are brochures just like this one you'll see on, on the, the chair there. Uh, the, the, the point of this is to let you know what, you know what we do, but there's a place on the back that you can fill out, and I, I do a newsletter about every month or six weeks or so that I will send to you. This is one right here called The Perspective. And uh, we do it by snail mail, but if you put your address down there, uh, we'll, we'll put you on the mailing list and start sending that to you. We don't, we don't solicit, I'm sorry, I'm dropping everything here. I'm just going to put it down there. I know I'll drop it again, I'm, I'm good at that. Uh, but we'll send you that, and, and, uh, and also we have a, a, a prayer list, and we send out, uh, I send out a prayer request from Israel every single month so that people will know what to pray about. And there are so many things that are happening, and I'll just keep you up sometimes on political things, but mostly on what the Holy Spirit is doing in the land of Israel and so on. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the restoration of the nation of Israel. That, uh, that's, that's what's happening now on this planet. You know, most of the time whenever people think about Israel, in fact, the world, when they think about Israel, they think about it in a physical way. Uh, it's another nation. Uh, in fact, they just think it's another nation among all the other nations. But God says something different. When he sees the nation of Israel, he sees it from a spiritual perspective. Israel is spiritual. The Jews are spiritual people. It's in their DNA to be spiritual. And it's in the, the, the DNA of the dust of that land, of the rocks of that land. It's a spiritual land. It's set aside. It's been chosen by God. They call it the Holy Land. I know in, the, you know, in our Pentecostal uh, theology, we use the term holy, which we, we've been singing about it this morning, in, in the terms of being righteous or being, you know, so clean. And I believe that. God is a holy, clean, righteous God. We are separated to be holy people or righteous people. But holy has another connotation. It means to be set apart or separated for a purpose. And when you, when you uh, hear about the Holy Land, it is, it is a land that has been separated or set apart it's different than all the rest of the nations of the earth. It's a holy land. Now, when you go there, by the way, you, you, you might be a little disappointed. Uh, they, they sin just like everybody else does. In fact, I get, I, yeah, that's going to shock some of you when you get there. It's like, wait a minute, these guys sin like, like we do. Um, but honestly, some of it, it's, it's uh, very, uh, I mean, Tel Aviv is known, honestly, for homosexuality now. A lot of homosexuals come to that place. They have had uh, homosexual marches in the city of Jerusalem. And so you see that, and then you see the scriptures that talk about the nation of Israel. You think, God, what's going on here? But here's the answer to that. 
they're not where they're supposed to be yet, but they will be. And we are in the process of the restoration of the nation of Israel right now. It's, it's not happening. And I know a lot of Christians, they'll read Romans chapter 11 and it says, all of Israel shall be saved. And as a Pentecostal, you know, we, we, we love events. You know, like this is an event today. Doing this is an event. Uh, getting saved is an event. Re- receiving the Holy Spirit, that's an event. We have revivals. Those are events. But the realities are that the restoration of the nation of Israel is not an event. It's a process. And so we are in the process of the restoration of the nation of Israel right now. It's happening before your very eyes, happening before the eyes of the world. And even though they see the nation of Israel, they really don't see what's going on in the nation of Israel or have an understanding. You do. And you're the people I want to talk to this morning about that. Israel's a spiritual place, and a lot of Christians that go there, I know there are a number of you that will be there in December, pastor will be there, I won't be there, that's why I said I was disappointed, is because I won't be able to see him there, I've got to come back to your land and spend time here, uh, which I, I, I like your country, you have a nice country, uh, you're very sweet people, but I, I really enjoy being home, but I have to come back, but I won't be able to see pastor there, but a lot of Christians that go there, they, they, uh, I've heard them say, I don't know what it is, but I just, everywhere I go, I just love it. I like it, you know, and, and it's like, I feel at home there, here. And the reason is because that's where dad lives. That's where, that's where Abba lives. He doesn't, he's not off somewhere in heaven, well, he is, but if you, if you could take a, like a transparency off of the city of Jerusalem, you would see the spiritual Zion over the top of physical Zion. God didn't say, I will live in Zion. He says, I do live in, I live in Zion. And he, and he blesses us from Zion. He's here, he's, you know, he's omnipresent, but he's also there. That's, that's his home. So when you're there, you're getting that sense of this is Abba's house. This is where he is. Not only that, but it's the floor of the tabernacle that's going to come. The scriptures talk about a time when the tabernacle of the Lord is going to come down on this planet. And it's going to rest there. You know, I mentioned in the early service when, you know, I, I think Pastor told me this, this church was started a hundred some years ago. And you guys are old. Wow, not most churches can't say that, but you look good. You mean to be old. But I'm sure when they started, there were guys that came to this property. They had a vision from God. They walked around it. They prayed. They sought the Lord about what was going to happen. They had no idea this place would be like it is today. They didn't know that, but they knew that. Because there was this sense that something was coming on this piece of land, this property that's here right now. That's the way you feel when you're in Jerusalem because you know something more is going to come to this place. The Messiah is literally going to come and live on this planet. Can you imagine that? What it's going to be like when Jesus is living here. So we're in the process of that restoration. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that, that it really, if you look at things from the natural, the Jews should not be here. I mean, the land of Israel shouldn't be here. It's, it's a miracle that these things are here. You know, for 1,900 years, and Moses said it, he told the, 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 the Jewish people, he said, you're going to literally backslide on God. He's going to send you to the nations of the earth. He said, it's going to happen. He's going to send you out. He said, and at the end, he'll bring you back. But he is going to send you out 1,900 years ago. 
When the Romans came in, they destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. There was over a million, according to Josephus, 1.1 million Jews died during that siege. And they drove the Jews away from the city of Jerusalem. Many of them stayed in the far corners of Israel. 135, there was a guy named Bar Kokhba who said he was the Messiah. The Ro- he came against the Romans. The Romans destroyed him. And then, then literally they drove the Jews out of the land of Israel. There were some that stayed, but most of them were driven away. 1,900 years. They have been in all the nations of the earth. There are 5 million Jews that live here in the United States. They were driven away. And, and, and out there, all of those years, they remained Jewish. It's amazing what happened. They, 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 ha- they lost their land. They didn't have any leader. Most, most groups have a leader that keeps them together. They didn't have a leader. And they lost their language. Hebrew, which they spoke in those days, of course, others, uh, Aramaic and, and other uh, languages, but they lost, they lost Hebrew. Only, it was only a prayer language. They would pray and, and have, uh, you know, their times together in Hebrew, but they didn't speak it to one another. It was lost. Didn't even come back until a guy by the name of Ben Yehuda in the, the late 1800s came along. His house, by the way, was about one block from my house where he was. And uh, Ben Yehuda uh, decided to rewrite the Hebrew language in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He wrote it, and he taught it to his family, taught it to his children. In fact, he wouldn't let his wife say anything in their language except in Hebrew. Can you imagine that? If you don't know a language and you want somebody to pass you the salt. So you have to learn real quick. And so they didn't know. And they taught them. Finally, he started teaching them. They had a newspaper in 1922. The, the language of Hebrew became the national language of the nation of Israel. Imagine that. 1900 years and here it is. So everything you're looking at when you talk about the nation of Israel is a miraculous. It's a miracle that they're, they're miracle babies, by the way. I don't want to go down that road. I've got a lot of things to tell you, but I'm going to just kind of tell you this. Abraham was 99 years old. Sarah was how old? 90 years old, right? God waited until they were, they were that old. He, they could have had a baby in their 50s, 40s. Everybody going, wow, that's great. But he waited until they were 99 and 90 years old. Think about that. Anybody, any woman here 90 years old? Anybody? Any ladies? What if you went home today, you get a phone call from great-grandma, and she says, guess what? I'm pregnant. (laughs) What would you say? Say, oh, Gramps, love you. Drink a little warm milk, put your shawl on, you know, get in your rocking chair. We'll be over this afternoon, kind of calm you down. That happened. Sarah had a baby. Her womb was dead. Why? Because the Jews are miracle babies. They're miracles. Every Jew, if you're Jewish sitting here today, your, your ancestry, you came here as a miracle. Miracle births happen because of redemption. Jesus was born of a virgin. John the Baptist's parents were too old to have children. They had John the Baptist. Everything to do with the redemption of the planet. I'm telling you, the Jews have a purpose. When we end here today, I'm going to share a little bit about that with you if I ever finish. But God promised 
that he was going to bring them back. He said so. Throughout the scriptures, he said there was coming a day, a time, a moment, a season, when he was going to start bringing the Jews back. Guess what? This is the day of restoration right now. What's happening in your lifetime at this moment in time is God fulfilling his promises. He's no longer angry with the Jews, contrary to what people say. God's, God, God's favor, the favor matters out. His arms are open up. He's bringing them back to, to, to put his arms around them, not, not to send them through a tribulation like, what, like we teach ourselves. Will there be struggles? Will the nations come against Israel? Yes. But is God doing it? No. It will be the nations that will come. Guess what God will do? The scripture says he's going to touch down the Mount of Olives and fight against those nations that come against Israel. God's favor is out. His angels are there. He's ready to war with them. I wish I had time to talk to you about the book of Joel and what God says. He tell, you know, he, he tells us, everybody talks about we're going to turn our, our weapons into plowshares. God says to the nations around the nation of Israel, he says, turn your plowshares into weapons. And he says, and come up here, he says, come up here. What's he talking about? Well, if he lives in Jerusalem, he's telling them to come up. Anywhere you go to, to, to Jerusalem, it's always up. If you're in the north, you're going up to Jerusalem. If you're in the south, you're going up. God stands up and says, come on. You want some of this? Come on. I'm going to take care of my people. And then in that same thing in Joel, uh, it, he says, and send your mighty ones down there, O Lord. What's he talking about? Angelic beings fighting for those who are heirs of salvation. So there's going to be a battle, but it's spiritual, folks. I mean, there's physical stuff that's going to happen, but God is going to fight for the nation of Israel, and they are in his comfort zone right now at this moment. So the world needs to be careful about what they say about the nation of Israel. The United States needs to be careful about what they say about Israel. Thank God for a president like you've got. I know some of you don't like him, and that's fine. But one thing I do know, that guy loves Israel. I I love where I live. I was telling Pastor, on one side I got a little balcony and I I can walk out, I see the old city. I I just look at it every morning, every evening. If I come in, I just go out and stand and look at the old city and wonder, is he coming? I see the Mount of Olives from my house. But I got another balcony on the other side and I go out there and I can look between the houses and there is the American flag flying. And I love it. I can see the embassy from my house. Our embassy, the United States embassy, is there right now. This nation has said Israel exists. Jerusalem is the capital. It's something that's not happened for, I can't remember. Blessings, oh God, on the United States because of that. God promised that the Jews would come home. I want to share some scripture with you, and I'll be as brief as I can with this, and I want to get to something else. But in Acts chapter 3, I want you to see this. Most of the time, whenever we talk, we we spend a lot of time in the Old Testament because there's so many scriptures that talk about the restoration of Israel. But in Acts chapter 3, and I want to set this up as this is being shown up here. Um, This is Peter speaking. And, and you gotta, you got to capture what's taking place in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost had just happened. People are getting saved like crazy. Conviction was in the streets. It, it was falling like rain in the streets. People were under conviction. And, and a man got healed, and they came to, to Peter and John, and, and they're, they're, they're under conviction, they, and they just cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? What, what, what do we do with this, this, this conviction that's on us? This is what Peter said. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the time of refreshing 
may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, now listen to this, who was preached before, whom heaven must receive until, if you've got your Bible out and you want to underline that, that's a big word to underline, the times of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy, holy prophets since the world began. So every prophet talked about a time of restoration, every one of them. And, and the, the scripture tell us that there were kings and priests and prophets who were desiring to see those things, and they weren't allowed. Daniel, when God gave him revelation, he said, Lord, show me more. And he said, go your way, Daniel. It's not for you. This is being shut up until the time of the end. Guess what? It's being opened up to us now. And so God is, is revealing to you and I what his plans are about the restoration. The things that Daniel wanted to hear, we get to hear. Times of restoration of all things. Another thing is, this says that Jesus has been held in heaven until the times of restoration. What that means is that he couldn't have come before now. I know a lot of people said, well, you know, he can come anytime and all scriptures fulfilled. No, it's not, folks. It might be if, you, if, you're, if you're enclosed in, in your Christian world and it's all about you, then it, you, know, you might say, well, everything about Christianity might be fulfilled, but it really isn't because God's got a plan. You know, he, he, he makes a statement. He said, I'm going to go out. He said, there's another flock out there I've got to go get. And he was talking to some people. He said, and, and I, I will bring them in, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You know, that's in the book of John. Well, that's a Christian book, according to us. Jesus wasn't talking to Christians. He was talking to the Jews. And he was telling them, he said, you are of my flock. But he said, there's another flock out there, the nations, the ones in Middletown, Ohio. He said, i got to go out there and bring them in, and then there shall be one flock and one shepherd. It's not prepared yet, folks. So there's a whole lot of scriptures that has to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back again. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but that's the reality on the ground. And I think sometimes we need to man up, amen, put our big boy pants on, and, and realize that we've got to live this life. We've got to be here. And I want to tell you one more thing. I won't make somebody mad here. I'm sure that don't, don't storm out. Just go quietly. I hope there's not a rapture. Oh boy, it got quiet real fast. I don't want to leave here. I don't want to go. I want to spend an eternity with Jesus. I got a calling. All the Jews aren't home yet. They're not saved yet. And I don't want to sit around and think, oh, oh God, it's so horrible. I got to get out of here. I don't want to go yet. I'm in good company. Moses said, God, if you blot the children's name out, blot my name out also. Paul said, God, he said, I, I would almost give up my salvation for my brethren's sake. Folks, I believe we need a brokenness for who we are and the people that we are around. It's not about us. Jesus didn't come here jumping up and down waiting for the resurrection. Jesus came here to die. If we're the body of Christ, we're here to die. We're not here to go away. Amen or oh me, that's the reality. He shed every drop of blood. He gave himself first before there was a resurrection. And if we're the body of Christ, how can we be any different than that?
waiting for the restoration of all things. Did I make you mad? You okay? Everybody all right? In the back, are you guys okay? All right? I got about three amens, so I'm in trouble. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> He's not mad. You know, Peter understood this. In Acts chapter 1, let me just read this real quick to you. It said, therefore, when they had come together, um, you've got to capture this one. I, I need to set this up for you, too. He, he, had, he had understood that, that, that there was a time when, when the Lord um, would be held in heaven and couldn't come back until the restoration of all things, and he understood it. The, the way he understood it is because he remembered a conversation he had in Acts chapter 1 that, that you and I, when we look at when I say Acts chapter 1 to you guys, you're Pentecostals, what's the first verse you think about? 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember that one? Well, we like that one. People jump up and down, and that's good, and I like it too. It's a great one. And there will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. But this is about a conversation. That scripture came out of a conversation where Jesus appeared to these apostles in his glorified body. And he stood in front of them, and, and when they, they, they were looking at him, they started asking questions. Now, let, me, let me ask you, if Jesus stood here right now at this very moment, what would you do when you got up off the ground? Amen. You'd fall down, and then you'd, you'd start looking up over the pew and think, is he, is he still there? And then you'd start looking at him, and you'd, and then after a while, you'd think to yourself, I want to ask him some questions. You know? And I told him this morning, I said, you know, you probably ask the first thing is, I know my name's in the book of life. Right, Jesus? You know, I mean, wouldn't it be great to hear your, your name is in the book of life, man? You know, that'd be, that'd be great. And that's what they did. They asked him. It says, so when they saw him, they had come together. They asked him a question. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Interesting question. You know, they could have asked a thousand things, but about the kingdom, will you restore the kingdom? And Jesus made a statement. He said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the season, which is a period of time, the season of restoration, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. He was giving them a calling to take the nation or the, the word of God to the nations of the earth. He was saying, it's not for you guys at this moment for the kingdom to be restored. What, what kingdom? Every kingdom has to have a land. Every kingdom has to have, a, have subjects. And they have to have a king. Amen. And what they were referring to was actually here in Genesis chapter 12. Let's go there. I want you to see this. These guys realized that now. Whenever This is a 4,000-year-old promise that God made to Abraham. 4,000 years. Most of you know it. 4,000 years. You know, to us, that's ancient. If somebody's 4,000 years ago, they're history. You know? I mean, they're just old guys. We, we, when we get old, it's how you're irrelevant after a while. But when, when you see a scripture 4,000 years old, we think, man, that was way back there. God doesn't have a watch. He doesn't have a clock. He's not sitting around waiting for times. Whenever he said this to Abraham, it was almost like just about three seconds ago that he told Abraham these words. He said, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country and go to a land that I will show you. 
and I will make you a great nation. I will give you children and descendants. He said, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. First of all, he said, you're going to have a land. Secondly, he said, you're going to have children. And third, he said, you're going to have a purpose. From that moment on, this Bible becomes a story of that, those three things right there. All of the Old Testament is about the Jews in the land, out of the land, in the land, out of the land, and about God dealing with them while they are in the land of Israel, and what he says to them if they don't do right, how you will send them out of the land. So the land is key to all of these things that we're talking about here this morning. This is the season of the restoration of the nation of Israel. 1948, Israel became a nation again. The land that God promised 4,000 years ago lay dormant for 1,900 years. Now the land has come back into focus. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Shall a nation be born at once? As soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. 1948, the United Nations had come together, called the League of Nations at the time. The, the Jews had just gone through the Holocaust. Six million people had died. There was a sympathy in the United Nations. Imagine that for the nation of Israel at that moment in time. And they took a vote, and they allowed Israel to become a nation in one day. This scripture was written about 2,800 years ago, talking about the moment in time when God would restore the land that he promised to Abraham. It would come back into focus before our very eyes. Isn't that amazing? Pastor said it earlier, 750,000 Jews today, there are 7 million. They're, they're streaming in from all over the world. And one of the things that's causing them to come back is anti-Semitism. I hate anti-Semitism. But in reality, it, it is basically like the pitchfork that's pushing up the tree to get them out. Europe is being inundated with Islam. And what is one of the, the, the foundation stones of Islam is anti-Semitism. Nobody but Islam, that's, the, that's their key. They hate Christians too, by the way. And it's, and it's, being, it's, it's all over the world right now, Islam. It's, it's growing. What's happening? The Jews that are out there, are being, they're, they're under pressure. You, you'll read different stories about a terrorist that blows up something in one synagogue, one that goes into a, a Jewish community and blows himself up. That's going to happen more and more and more. Why? Not because God's allowing it, but because God, from that, the Jews will say, we got to go home. we got to get back to the nation of Israel. France, over 6% are Muslims in France right now. It's a tipping point. That nation will never be France again. And what's happening is that anti-Semitism is driving the French Jews out and they're moving to places like Netanya. When you go there, you'll hear Hebrew, you'll hear English, and you're going to hear a lot of French in Netanya because the Jews are coming back to, to the nation of Israel. God promised he would. The Holy Spirit is preparing the world right now. And what's happening in the body of Christ? He's speaking to churches just like this one right here. He's calling us. He's saying, you've got to, you've got to get involved in helping and I, that's what I, you know, pastor this morning, I mentioned that, that when you're taking the pulse of a church, if Israel is, in, is mentioned in that church and they're, they're, they're ministering to the sons and the daughters in their community and they're reaching to the poor and, and the down and out and the outcast, then that, that's a healthy church. This church is healthy. You got a man sitting on this front row right here, Dean Osborne. I love this guy. Very special, precious man of God. There's a little group of people that have gotten together. Amen. 
this precious man of God has heard from the Lord. And this little group, we had a meeting yesterday. I loved it. It was so fun. We got together and we just enjoyed being together. They love the nation of Israel. And they're inviting you. If you want to get more involved in Israel, see this guy. He'll help you get where you need to go. So what do we do? I'm just going gonna, gonna to dive through a couple of pictures right here because it's, I don't want to keep you past your chicken time. I'm just going to read this real quick. Jeremiah chapter 16. Well, I, I, you can leave. I'm just going to keep talking. Because anybody that's here, I want to tell you these things. I just got to tell you. It's all in here and it's burning. And I want to tell you. Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. This guy was a weeping prophet. Jeremiah, listen to these words. Let's go to Jeremiah 16. The days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But, you will say, the Lord lives who brought the children of Israel out of the land of the north and from all the lands where he had scattered them. For I will bring them back to the land which I gave to their fathers, Abraham. Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. Afterwards I'll send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them and, uh, from every mountain, hill, and, and holes in the rock. It says, you will no longer say the Lord lives who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Every year, and for 3,000 years, the Jews have celebrated Pesach, Passover, about the God delivering them out of the land of Egypt. He says here, you're not going to talk about that anymore. There's going to come a day when it's going to overshadow with the Jews coming out of the land of the north, he said, that's what you're going to say, that, that God brought the children of Israel from the land of the north everywhere that I scattered them. So this return of the Jews is, is actually um, better or in more, uh, I don't know what the word would be. It, it's not better than what happened. I mean, my goodness, the crossing of the Red Sea, I haven't done that one yet. Uh, maybe one day we'll do that. We'll get somewhere and we'll have to cross a, a creek or something and can't jump over it. And we'll, I don't know. But it says that we're going to talk more about the return of the Jews in the, from the land of the north. Let's go through some of these slides. We're going to do this quickly, Taylor. So let's go, first of all, to the first one. This is our the one you're going to see here. This is the land of Israel or, or the land of the former Soviet Union. All those little dots you see right there, this is where we're fishing. We call our... our uh, the people that work for us, we'll go to the next slide. The people that work for us, we call them fishermen. These are the leaders that you see right here that are working in the former Soviet Union. I've been working since 1981, helping bring Jewish people back. And conservatively, we have helped uh, over 180,000. Sometimes I try to bring that number down, like you saw on the video. I said 160 or 150,000 because I don't, I don't want it to be a, you know, about numbers. But really, we've, we've brought a lot of people back from all over the world. These guys are fishermen. Every one of these guys are willing to hazard their lives and give up their life in order to help the Jews come back to the land of Israel. I, I go out with them quite often. I was in eastern Ukraine. There's a war going on there. And we had to go through five checkpoints to get out there to find some Jewish people in, in a place just outside of a place called Donetsk. And there were 22 people that died that weekend while I was there because of you know, the war that was going on, and I was right at it, and we were going from house to house to help these Jewish people. My guys, these guys go out there and spend their, their, their whole time. Today, or maybe tomorrow when the sun comes up, they'll be out there fishing these Jewish people to help bring them back. So these are the heroes. These are the ones that have been doing this and helping the Jewish people home. We're also working in South America. We've got a team that's working down there. We'll just go through that slide and the next one as well, Taylor. These are our, this is uh, 
we're working in uh, different countries, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Venezuela. Uh, there, there, there's a, it's, it's horrible what's happening in, in Venezuela, but it's driving the Jewish people out. And so we're going in, we're basically sneaking in and helping bring, bring them out of Venezuela from all these other lands we're, we're bringing them. Isaiah says this, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, watch this, he says, I'm going to beckon to the nations, to the Gentiles, goyim in Hebrew, I'll beckon to the Gentiles, not the Jews, he says, and they, I will lift up my banner to the people, and they will bring your sons in their arms and carry their daughters on their shoulders, the nations. So here we are with, with Jeremiah talking about it, now Isaiah talking about it, about how that the Gentiles would be the ones to bring them back to the land of Israel. So we've been doing that. Let's just go all the way through. we got four centers. You saw that. Uh, let's go to the next slide, Taylor. We've got uh, all across Israel, Haifa, Afula, Jerusalem, Beersheba. We're helped, we've helped 16,000 Jews last year. Um, but I want to I get on down. Let's just, let's just go to the why the land. I, I, wanna, I don't want to pass this up, and I know time is, is, fle- is fleeting. But I want to talk about why. Why the land of Israel? Why there? What is it about that land that is so important? And I told you earlier that, that God calls it the Holy Land. The, the scriptures literally refer to it as holy. It's been separated for a purpose. What's the purpose of the land of Israel? The land of Israel is the meeting place between heaven and earth. And in and, and my mind, I can see I can see God loving this world so much, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, but he also prepared a place for his son to come to. Jesus came to the nation of Israel. Through the Jews, we, have, we know who the Messiah is. Through the Jews, salvation has come to the nations of the earth. And through the Jews, there's been revelation of, uh, of who, who, uh, who the Lord is. But this is the land. The land is the place where God made the temple after, you know, he wanted them, he wanted the Jews to have his presence. By the way, the, the, the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, it's God revealing himself to the Jews first. The Bible talks about Jew first, Gentile second. The Old Testament is that revelation of God to the Jew first. And he showed them who he was, and then he took them into the land, and he said, now build a temple. So they built a temple. Why? So that his presence could be there. And, and from that moment on, when Solomon built that temple, the presence of God was there, and there was a meeting. All the Jews would come up every single year, three times a year. Why? To meet with the Lord. Tonight, this moment right now is the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles. Right now. Today. I mean, they're seven hours ahead in Israel. They're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. What's that about? Booths. What's the booth for? The booth is a place where the Jews come out of their homes and they go out in these small booths to meet with the Lord, to meet with Him. God wants to meet with us. That's why we have church. I I think God can't hardly wait until next Sunday because some of you guys won't think about Him until then. Not all of you. But He likes to meet with us. That's why He created the nation of Israel. It's the meeting place between heaven and earth. Amen? Guess where Jesus is coming back to? Touching down on the Mount of Olives, making his way into the old city. Why? So he can be with people. So he can be with us. There's coming a day when we will go streaming up to the Lord. That's what the scripture says. We will stream to the goodness of God 
in, in that place. He'll touch down on the Mount of Olives. There's going to be a great earthquake. I was telling him this morning that there was a guy named Solomon the Great. He called himself Great, I guess. He, uh, he built the walls of the old city and, and the eastern gate. When you go there, you'll see that it's all closed up. 1535, he closed it. Why? So the Messiah couldn't come in. So when Jesus touches down on the Mount of Olives, there will be an earthquake, and guess what's going to happen? Those gates will open wide. Open up, you everlasting gates, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? <laughs> the Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. That's what that's all about. He's going to split that wide open so he can come and live with us and be with us forever and forever. Amen? Who are the Jews? I'll just close with this one right here. Who are the Jews? They are the revelation of God. That's who they are. God gave them the word to give to us. This book right here took 1,500 years to write. 1,500. That Bible you hold in your hand. Precious. The Jews wrote it. All the writers in it. 40 writers in there. Everyone up Jewish. I know we, you know we talk about Luke. I've heard that he was a Gentile. I don't believe it for one second. I don't. Because the scripture says theirs, they've been given the statutes and the laws and the principles and the promises to give to us. So I believe Luke was just as Jewish. You, don't, you can't really prove either way, but you can't prove he was a Gentile. Jewish. Why? Because God gave them the word to give to us. Isaiah chapter 43 says it right there. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant. Go ahead and put that back up, if you will. There we go. Thank you. Whom I have chosen, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. You don't know the Father without the Jew. You don't know Jesus, the Son of God, without the Jew. And you certainly don't know the Holy Spirit without the Jew. They brought it to us. So what's God telling them? He's saying, if they were to give that to you, Turn around and bless them. Amen? They blessed us. They are a blessing to the nations of the earth. And I, I just want to share this little thing with you right here. The word bless, the word bless me is, is barak in Hebrew. And the word blessing is barakah. And it's an ancient word. And, and it means to kneel. The barakah means to kneel. Literally to kneel, to kneel down. And so what this says is when you come to bless somebody, you literally come and you kneel before them with your gift in hand like this, and you hand it to them. Say, I want to give you this gift. I want to bless you. God says if you bless the nation of Israel, if you come before them with humility, you know, not well, you know, but God, from my heart I want to give this to you. He says if you bless the nation of Israel, he says, guess what I'll do? God says, I will come, I'll bend my knee in front of you. And I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time with that concept right there. That if I bless the nation of Israel, that my Father, my God, the one who created all of this, all of the stars, the whole, the whole of the world, he says, if you bless my people, guess what? I'm going to come. I'm going to kneel down, bow my head, and give you a gift. You know, I think our concept of God is sometimes not correct. 
He's so humble. He's so precious. He loves us so much that He'd be willing to come and kneel down and die for us. Folks, uh, as I close here today, I just I, I sense His presence in this place right now. You've got a God that cares about you. I don't know. You know, I have no understanding. There's no way that a guy could walk into a place like this and know everything that's going on in the heart of people. But I know this. God loves this church. He loves you. you know, I've, I've said some things here today. I hope I haven't made anybody mad. But I sense His love and His sweetness over you. He cares so much for you. And you know what? Sometimes when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you don't like yourself. You ever do that one? I do. There's times when I start to comb my hair, I go, I don't even like this guy. And yet he loves me. He loves you today. No matter what you're carrying, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your struggle is, that love is right there with you. And he wants to reach out to you. Would you just bow your head with me right now? We want to close, but I want God to touch your heart right now. Would you just, whatever your need is at this very moment, would you just hand it to him? Would you say, Lord, I, I can't carry this? I don't know what to do with this. I'm struggling. And I want to give it to you right now. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place at this very moment. And I ask you just to reach your hands down and just take these burdens away. Lord, I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit to just flood every heart and every life. Pray that you'd minister to them. Lord, you love us so much. You care about us so much, Lord. And I just pray that the presence of God would just fill those holes, those gaps, those pains, and set your people free. We love you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. God bless you. Pastor, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't have to ask you. You just showed it. But once again, would you help us appreciate Michael Utterback for being here today? What a message. What it does to us on the inside, right? If you're like me, you're leaving here just more in love with Israel and why God chose them, the land, the, the way that he's moving, it's just amazing to consider that we are all part of the plan of God. And I'm excited about it. I can't wait to hear more and more about it. We're going to bring you back. Would you like to have him come back? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Man. Praying for you this week. Esperanza, thank you. Dios le bendiga. Amen. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to think about you all the rest of the day and cry. <laughs> Love you so much. Don't forget, tonight is our prayer service. It's a time, a corporate time for our church to come together. We'll pray for your children. We'll pray for your lost loved ones. We'll pray for your life. And we'll praise and honor our God. And we'll do that together in this place. So God bless you. We'll see you this evening around 6. Come back for prayer service. In the meantime, be blessed.